0: Where were you on the fourth of March, nineteen
1: ninety-five? The fourth of March, 19- I was in my car. Actually, uh, I was. I was. I can't remember why I was in my car, but I can distinctly remember listening to the goals raining on the radio I, of my of my of my it's beige true. old Y registration Fiesta. <laughs> it's
0: true. <laughs> That's deliciously white trash. I, know, I, I can't, love I can't, it.
1: Can't, I cannot lie. It's true.
0: So that was the day in which Manchester United last scored nine goals in the Premier League Andy Cole got four of Memoritas and they were led by a firebrand manager who had brought the good times back to Manchester United and acted as something of a saviour That man's name Richard was Jesus Christ Sir Jesus
1: Christ to you thank you (laughs) Sorry beg your pardon
0: (laughs) Everyone, welcome to this week's Red Voice. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. And aren't you grateful that we didn't record an episode after the Arsenal game? No, instead, it's Wednesday. It's me, you, and Lennon, and him, Richard Can, to discuss a rather remarkable game at Old Trafford last night with Manchester United running out 9 0 winners against Southampton, alongside that board draw at the weekend, and two wins for Manchester United women. But before all that, Richard, how are we?
1: I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm, I, keep, I keep remembering that United won 9 0 last night and, and, and getting a little warm flood of joy through, through my body I'm sorry not, not not in that well i suppose it could be no it's not in that sense but uh but it might
0: it's that just got worse uh, than all words you said al-
1: <laughs> it's almost equally as pleasurable
0: okay good mm. i'm gonna stop asking that question at the beginning of episodes <laughs> oh good grief wow uh i'm great uh Uh, I'm just wrapping my head around not only the fact that United won a game by more than two goals, Mm. not only that they practically doubled their goal difference in one foul sweep for the entire season, not only did they not provide any stress, and not only that, they were winning at half-time comfortably, which has happened once all season Mm. in the league, to my recollection. A remarkable game for many points. I mean, do we start with Arsenal and just get it done out of the way? There's not really that much to say, really, is there? Yeah, let's start with Arsenal. Well, a nil-nil draw away at the Emirates, I mean, our form there over the last couple of seasons hasn't been great. We typically tend to wait once every three years to get a result, so I felt like we were kind of due a performance or a win against Arsenal. But you know, they were sat back so deep for most of that game and looking to pick us off on the break, and we didn't necessarily take the few chances that we got. Bit of a frustrating game, all told really, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, afterwards, looking at my Twitter timeline, there were a lot of people that were going off to the deep end about it. I think the issue wasn't drawing nil-nil at Arsenal, which I don't think was a terrible result. It was that it was in the context of the defeat to Sheffield United, which was an absolutely appalling result. 18 months ago, a result like the Sheffield United one or the result like the Arsenal one would have just kind of been met with a shrug of the shoulders. You know, yeah, we're, we're kind of shit. But the closer you get to something, the closer you get to actually competing for something, the more every game means and the more you have to lose. Um, and I think that's possibly why so many people got so angry about it. I mean, I was, I was looking at the, at the stats in terms of our run before the Sheffield United game. We were on a run of 10 wins and three draws since um, the defeat at Old Trafford against Arsenal, which is absolutely absurd form in in the context of what's, happened in the last seven years perhaps I was looking at it from a slightly more pragmatic um, perspective than, than some people but it seemed to be a game, United didn't play particularly well, I think we looked tired, I think there was a clear hangover from the Sheffield United game but ultimately if Cavani did shooting straight we would possibly have won that game So, and, we, and we've we'd all been saying well, we didn't play great but, but good teams pull it out of the bag and we've done that a lot this season it's just that was one one game where you know the, the the two big chances that came unfortunately were missed
0: yep Perfect summation. I mean, I don't really want to add anything more to it, but I guess I should just for good grace. Uh, frustration coming more in the fact that United didn't necessarily respond in a strong enough fashion to the Sheffield United game, and it continues this trend of you know, the quote-unquote big games at the minute. United not necessarily putting their best foot forward. I understand the level of pragmatism to a certain extent. There seems to be something of a, a reticence this season to go for it in the big games, so you know against the, against the nominal top six, as it were, since the six-one defeat to Spurs at home. And I get that. I think the we turned it around to a certain degree where in last season we were typically fired up and produced decent performances against the top sides. But then we struggle against the ones lower down from us who we would expect to win this season. We're typically, you know, barring the Sheffield United result, winning games against the lower position clubs, the ones that we really would expect to win and win healthily, even if you well, not particularly healthily. And then the games against the top clubs are starting to become very pragmatic, soulless and low-scoring affairs. And United do need to start to react to that situation. it's It's not enough to be beating the likes of Fulham or Southampton, which is the first time we've done a double over them in some time. But United need more in those games. And I feel like we're still a little bit hesitant and reticent to really properly attack teams. And I think... If you look at that game in totality, United probably carved out the better opportunities, but did we fully deserve a victory? Probably not, no. And I guess in coming after the defeat as well, as we mentioned, I think the frustration came more in the fact that we hadn't fully responded in a way, given how bad that result was. And then coming into this game, you know, prior to... Kickoff last night. I think a lot of us were concerned, right? You know, Southampton have been a tricky proposition for a lot of the best teams in the country, and we've really struggled against them in recent years. You know, the game against Old Trafford at the end of last season was a killer for us in in terms of dropping points in such a bad fashion, especially right towards the end of the season. And I think coming into that game, you know, they was concerned about and set pieces. War Prowse had done a number on us when we played them at St Mary's earlier this season. You were concerned about United's ability to keep, you know, try and re, you know, get their levels back up and whether or not they were going to be able to win a game comfortably, get more than a one-goal lead at any point and just provide a low level of stress. So I guess we've got Alexandra Jankovic to help for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, going back to the previous two games, the context of what those games really meant what would only be decided when we looked at these really these two home games we've got this week against against Southampton and then against Everton and so I mean it was important that we we responded pretty well in this game and as you say we've had two the last two have been really tough games against Southampton but the poor lad did a madness didn't he it was one of the most red of red cards you're ever likely to see um I don't think he meant any any malice in the challenge. I think he was just a guy who's been waiting for his chance for a long time who was super over-eager. Went in for a tackle for a ball that he couldn't get and his foot was really high and and nearly debagged Scott McTominay. Um,
0: Oh God, I mean I've got sympathy for him in the circumstances considering that obviously he was... He was playing right on the edge there, wasn't he? You know, young kid making his debut in the Premier League. You know, I think there'd been some talk about him potentially leaving Southampton during the transfer window because he wasn't playing. And then suddenly he gets his opportunity. And is a rush of blood to the head the best way to describe it? Again, I say I've got sympathy for the player, but in terms of the actual challenge itself, completely indefensible. Like Mike Dean was all over it within seconds, didn't need to take a second look. It was such a clear and obvious red card. It was just such a. For want of a better term, dumb decision. It was a killer for Southampton in particular as well, mm. because you just saw from the first seconds after we restarted, United just instantly turned into savage mode. You know, we we didn't stop, we didn't let up for mo- mostly the kind of the rest of that game. As a result, took advantage of that one man advantage so ruthlessly, and Southampton just had no idea of what to do.
1: It was a game that was almost kind of set up from United anyway for United anyway in, in respect of having so many players missing but once it went down to 10 men as well you just kind of felt like any belief they might have had in them in themselves just just collapsed um, they've clearly got a real really big issue with going down to 10 men and not knowing what to do with it and how to how to respond to it you know it's exactly what happened against Leicester in the, the, the previous 9-0 as well but what I liked about United's response was I think I said on Twitter it's very Cobra Kai for those who've either enjoyed the old Karate Kids films, or have been watching Cobra Kai recently.
0: Oh, very youthful reference for you, there. I
1: am. You know, I can straddle these generations. You see, I'm a, (laughs) I'm I'm a chameleon. Um, (laughs) um,
0: I'm enjoying your energy tonight, Richard.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it was just a really ruthless performance, and I'm I'm thinking back to uh, so many times. Maybe even during uh, a lot during Fergie's time. As well, you'd see United perhaps get a two or three goal lead. Against the team with ten men or with eleven men, and then they'd kind of just they'd ease off, they'd, they'd, they'd save themselves, and not really fully drum it home. And 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 what made me really happy yesterday was that there was the attitude was there from United that we're going to absolutely go to town on these, and whether we're two nil up, four nil up, six nil up, whatever, we're going to keep going and we're going to keep keep ramming at home. And I think that's another sign. You know, I was very critical of United's attitude in the in the Sheffield United game. I thought, I thought there was a degree of complacency there. Whereas in uh, over the course of the season, you'd say that the prevailing mental attitude has been has been one of um, actually being much stronger, much much more um, reliable mentally than we have been in previous seasons so that Sheffield United game was very out of context in terms of the, the kind of clutch performances and results we had been pulling out over the previous two two months two two and a half months so it was nice to see united again revert into a a really kind of dominant really ramming at home not easing off not not taking a breather you know Oli made two subs at half time which in you know many games you you make a couple of subs in circumstances like that and you become disjointed and you you stop really playing as fluently as we had before but we didn't we just kept going and whoever we brought on they just kept kept up the ruthlessness and so it was it was just really good to to really well for for a start it was really good to win a game comfortably which we haven't done we've done once a season I think by our measure I, I was just really really pleased with the performance with the and with the mentality that we had in the game.
0: When was the last time we outscored? When we when we've been that comfortable after a first half, three or four goals up, and then actually outscored ourselves in the second half. It was r- remarkable mm. at points. I was really heartened by what I saw in moments of that game. Now, obviously, in the context of what we've seen in the last week, you know, I think we talk about the Sheffield United game and the Arsenal game in the sense of, to me, to a certain extent, whilst the Sheffield United game was a real bum note, those results were coming to a degree because we were really riding our luck when it came to scraping through games it wasn 't necessarily much of a progression from these one goal victories we weren't controlling games to a certain extent we were easing off when we got in the lead and trying to hit teams on the break we weren't commanding a game for ninety minutes and especially with you know that the, the Burden that is placed on our biggest players like Sir Bruno and Rashford in particular. You know, if, if they're not firing as they weren't against Sheffield United or Arsenal to a certain degree, then where are the chances coming from? And we didn't create a lot in either of those games, not enough anyway. And then in a game like this, with it being so set up for us within the first two minutes to basically just have at it against a side, and you know, without that red card, you're looking at a very very different game. You know, you'd imagine that Southampton were going to defend in numbers in a similar way to they did against us at Saint Mary's and. In that context, you do worry about United, but the way that they exploited the space, but not only that, kept switching the ball from side to side well, kept them constantly under pressure, mm. which was very, very good to see. But not only that, the quality of the crosses, especially in the first half, the delivery was just superb. You know, you start things off with that sure cross to wan I mean, there were signs already that that goal was coming. Rashford had a decent chance, which he should have shot from not long before that. So let just cross into the far post. Wambasaka's ghosted in and hit a great shot into the bottom quarter. Luke Shaw again involves overlap with Greenwood, who pulls it back to Rashford. who's pretty much free in in the penalty area at that point. And the third goal, you know, the ball squirms out to Rashford on the right. Great cross in and Benderek has got... I say he's got no choice. He either leaves it and Fred scores or he gets a touch on it and hopes it's going wide. It did not. They went in the net. And at that point, you know, it was... It was cruise control. United were on fire. They were finding so much joy and finding so much space. And, you know, we've seen United exploit space well under Solskjaer before, don't get me wrong. But I think we haven't seen this team fully let loose, apart from maybe at points against Leeds. You know, this was, as I mentioned, ruthless. You know, it's been so long since we've seen the side smell blood and fully take advantage of it. And, you know, in the second half, it got even better. I guess before that, there's a couple of bits and bobs to mention. Edinson Cavani with a massive yelp as he buried that header. That was that was arguably my favourite goal of the first half just for the fact that from that cross from Luke Shaw didn't even get up and powered it in, standing. Mm. Delicious.
1: Yeah, it was. And it's interesting that Oli made two subs at half-time he, he and one of those was Shaw. And I think that tells you just how important Luke Shaw's become to the way this United side is playing. We've talked in the past about how... United needed to develop as many different avenues of attack and ways ways of creating chances and danger um, as as they could because for, for such a long time we were so one-dimensional it was basically Pogba or bust. And, and one of the reasons why results have improved so enormously is because obviously we've added Bruno to that but we've added, um, we've added in terms of attacking quality with Greenwood coming through and Rashford's kicked on but also... The fullbacks, particularly on that left, are becoming more and more and more important. And it's something I didn't think I'd ever say, but I would I would suggest that Luke Shaw's probably England's best left back at the moment. Ooh. By a margin at the moment, you know he, his performances. This is the I think this is the first time I've seen performances from Shaw that really live up to the billing of the player that we bought when he was 18. I know he had a, a a good run of form before he broke his leg in Eindhoven. But I think these are the these are the first really really mature high level defensive and offensive performances I've seen from Luke Shaw and and he's putting a run of them um together as well. You know, he's been good for the last 6 weeks, 6 to 8 weeks.
0: Um, yeah I mean I think one of the big things especially over the course of the last 18 months and especially this season that we've noticed because you remember when we were speaking about the game at uh, Bramall Lane the previous season where he was Really struggling, if I recall correctly. And mm. around that, sorry, around that era, era, he was really struggling. We were talking about how Brandon Williams was basically putting him in the shade with some of his attacking skills. These days, Shaw does not get caught out anywhere near as much as he used to. And that's one of the big impacts, isn't it? And the delivery coming in from the right hand side with the fact he got those two assists and the play in the build up for the second goal was superb. You know, he's getting far more involved in the attack than he ever has done.
1: Yeah, and I, and I don't think we can underplay the importance of. United signing tellers either, um, because it seems to have, have really given Shaw a, a kick up the arse and 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 forced him to push on. I mean, I think my one what my one concern about Shaw over the last few years is that he always comes across as an incredibly easygoing, almost quite mild guy, and I just wondered whether he had the fire to really be a top level player, and perhaps he needed that challenge. But he's been on. You know, £100,000 plus a week since he was 18 with no real competition at left-back um, at any point in that time. Um, this is the first time he's he's really kind of facing a, a proper international left-back as a challenger. And he's really risen to it. And the other thing I'd say about Shaw is that if, for, for people who are remaining and continue to be critical about Aaron Wan-Bissaka, particularly in terms of his attacking output, look at a guy like Shaw and it's taken him to these... 25 for it all to come together and for, for that aspect mm. of his game to really develop and it's it's come on incredibly quickly and, uh, with great strides so writing one bissaka off at 21 um, and saying you know this guy just isn't good enough going forward and won't be good enough going forward for us it just shows what a nonsense that is because <laughs> you know sometimes it just takes a challenge it just takes maturity um, and experience and I think all of those things have combined to make sure you know, one of the best left backs in the Premier League at
0: the moment. Mm. Before we start to chat on the second half of that game, uh, three exits to talk about over the last couple of weeks. So starting off with Timothy fosu who went off to buy Leverkusen. I mean, there's, there's not necessarily too much to say about Altimbo, is there? You know, he yeah. has he. When he burst into the team under Van Hal, I did wonder if we got a really special player on our hands. And despite, I think if I recall correctly, one decent loan spell at Crystal Palace, he's not necessarily proven enough consistently to suggest that he's really going to be able to have a career, at least at United, but I'm sure he'll do well somewhere else and I'm sure he'll do all right in Germany. Jesse Lingard heading off to uh, West Ham United on loan. But perhaps the most important one, Rich, Crazy Bastard Marcus Rojo finally <laughs> leaves the club after not featuring in the first team squad all season, if I recall correctly.
1: I think I read that he's only made 16 appearances since he signed that new contract in 2018. Oh, God. Um, and I haven't checked that, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean,
0: it sounds right, doesn't it?
1: It does sound about right. something. Something like he's only started seven Premier League games in that period. It's just, <clears throat> if anything demonstrates the stupid plan that was to, to renew his contract with a view to selling him at a time when he was already injured. If any, any, any anything demonstrates the futility of that more, um, I, I can't think of it, but I can because then I realised that Phil Jones has got two and a half <laughs> years left on, on the contract on which we did exactly the same thing. I didn't say long. But yeah, I mean... I'm sure United will be very, very, very happy to have finally got his £125,000 a week wage off the wage bill, um, and and will consider that to be a terrible, terrible mistake, um, which I would like to hope would not be repeated. You know, I mean, Rocco was hmm. Rocco was a bit of a cult hero, largely because he's completely mad. I don't, I don't think he was ever good enough for United in either left-back or... I think he was a better centre-back than he was a left-back, but Ultimately, wow, that's not saying much, is it? No, it's not. But I think ultimately he's just he, he's just been short in whatever position that, and it's it's been clear for a while that I don't think he he really had enormous interest in playing a great deal either. Um, which is you know ultimately it's his if he's injured and if we you know what for whatever he he got an incredible contract out of United, and who can blame a player for sitting on their money if they're you know that's legally owed to them.
0: No, I mean, I can't blame him too much for picking up his money. I think it shows a bit of a lack of ambition. But when you're on, yeah. God, what, the best part of half a million pounds a month mm. and you're constantly injured and you're struggling for impetus and your family's happy and you've got several kids stuck in the mat, I can see how your impetus to play football dwindles somewhat. You know I mean, <laughs> The fact that you'll remember him more for, number one, not somehow, never getting a red card during his United career, despite a raft of filthy challenges. And number two, burning toast toast and serving it up to his wife. Yeah. I I mean, cult hero. I I, I don't even think it does does him justice. A mythical figure. A, Mm. a, A part of Manchester United folklore. It best describes him personally, but there we yeah. go uh, yeah i mean I, I guess a quick word on Lingard uh, that's that 's a bit of a different one, obviously, because you know i mean with as long with Fossey Mensa that you obviously are come, come through the ranks at the club, but obviously Jesse being relatively local, that takes on a bit of a different context but. A a guy who needs to be playing football that isn't going to get it at United and who has given us a bunch of incredible moments in the United shirt over the course of his career. You know, came through in the Van Halen era, scored that amazing goal in the Cup final against uh, Crystal Palace, scored a goal in the Capital One Cup final the season after as well. You know, he's been a big part of the sort of, well, he's he's had a, a part to play in this transition period since Ferguson, hasn't he? And he's played it relatively well, but I think United have seemingly evolved beyond the need for him really now, haven't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been a player of, of moments, hasn't he? Um, mm. Certainly some of them have been, been memorable, and, and he had that period of about two months of really, really high-quality form in the middle of, I think, Mourinho's second season. In terms of a United side that's challenging at the top, the, the, could challenge at the top of the table and possibly the latter stages of the Champions League. He's never been good enough for that, and he never will be good enough for that. And I think him going away and, and to somewhere like West Ham, which which appear now to be a reasonably upwardly mobile kind of top half Premier League team, that's probably the best that he can hope for. And I, and I hope he does really well. Um, you know, I hope, I hope he gets back to concentrating on, on his football, being able to concentrate on his football. And gets gets back in some form And, and actually does does Something there um, Because it's, it's been a real shame For him I think over the last 12 to 18 months You know he's obviously had personal problems um, And it's just one of those ones Where it's, it's just a really sad case Of where a player Stuff's gone on and he just needs to go Somewhere else to kind of rebuild Rebuild his career And what is he, 28 now? 29? Um you know, it was it was now or never, really, wasn't it? He needs to go away right. and, and get some games at West Ham. Hopefully, play well and earn a move either to there or to somewhere else. Um, and he'll be another one whose big wages for doing very little um, will be um, finally removed from the United um, wage, wage bill. But it's it's good for for United, then that West Ham are paying all of his wages and we're getting a loan fee of a couple of million as well, um, which is probably more than we could possibly have hoped for
0: yeah i almost said good business there and i've stopped myself
1: yeah i don't like good business but it's um it 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 makes financial sense as well
0: Um, yeah well let's let's let yeah it makes financial sense let's leave it there shall we right time for a quick break We've a small favour to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners. And it would be hugely appreciated. Right, so we've only gone through four of the nine goals that we scored last night, Rich. So a couple of subs at halftime, Edison Cavani and Luke Shaw both coming off. Cavani coming off made sense purely because at the minute he's clearly the preferred player through the middle, isn't he? So Martial coming on at 4-0 to hopefully get another couple of goals at the time was a good shout, I felt. And Luke Shaw coming off, as you mentioned earlier on, just sort of signifies his importance to the team and how much we've relied on him, especially in that left-back berth and how much we lose when we haven't got him. As far as the rest of that half went, I can't remember a time where it looked like every single time we went forward, it looked like we were going to score. The way in which Southampton just couldn't, I don't know whether or not it was the mental fragility that comes with losing a player so early and knowing that your game plan has gone completely out of the window, whether or not it was the strength and the speed of our movement or the way that which we're moving the ball around, but they capitulated even further in that second half. And, you know, one side note, I do feel to a certain degree for Raf Hasenhutl because he's clearly a good manager, but... I was speaking to our boy Scotty Tridge about this. There's got to be an element of culpability in the way that he's lost two games 9-0 now despite a couple of red cards and obviously in this instance the fact that we're still in covid season you know we've seen less freaky results uh than we had in the first few months of the season recently really haven't we you know we had the the 6-1 defeat against spurs liverpool got pumped 7-2 uh what city got beat 5-2 5-1 was it by Leicester at home you know the results seem to have evened out a little bit more but this is a freak you know but Regardless, the way in which Southampton just collapsed and couldn't keep hold of themselves and were just frantic in that game was remarkable. And, you know, it kicked things off with that fifth goal of Anthony Martial, blasted into the roof of the net. And then probably the best goal of the second half in terms of a pure strike, Scott McTominay, with that beautiful shot from outside the area. He is becoming incredibly good at that, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he does he does seem to be a very clean striker of a ball from outside the area. And, and I think that's another one where it needed a lot of technique to hit the ball like that, not to get any back lift on it, to get it in the direction you want it. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly got a, a knack for scoring those. You those... He, he, he he see all of his um, goals from outside the area for United, and with the exception of the Arsenal one, which I think he lucked uh, from last year, which he just gobbed. Um, well, that had a
0: slight deflection yeah. on it, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it did as well. And But apart from that, they've all been very measured strokes from outside the box, almost carrick um finishes rather than someone like skulls who very often just wellied it there's certainly a, a degree of technique to it it's obviously something that he's either been practicing or he's just just very good at and yeah it was a he was a lovely hit just just an arrow and and the keeper didn't really have a sight of it until he was 6 or 7 yards from the from, from the goal by which point he couldn't move mm. um and yeah you kind of just well I didn't feel for Southampton to be honest I'm going to say I <laughs> but I but I didn't um you know, we have, I suppose we have to mention that they had a goal hauled out from Shea Adams um, for for the offside that nobody can decide whether it was offside or not.
0: Yeah, and in which case, if you can't decide whether or not it's offside, then you should go with the attacker, right?
1: Yeah, right. And, and also United could have scored another, at the end of that first half, couldn't they, with the, with mm. the penalty that wasn't a penalty, that was a penalty, that could have just been allowed to run so the Greenwood could have scored anyway. So it was a really weird game in terms of decisions and um there was a lot there was an awful lot to unpack from their game.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean the fact that we've got half an hour in and now we're only talking about VAR, I mean BT Sport could learn a thing or two from us. Good mm. grief, that coverage. I mean I I'm um, by no means suggesting there is an anti-United bias about this. And this is not the first time that BT Sport have taken a game of interesting football and reduced it purely to sound bites about VAR, right? But last night, 9-0, uh, the fact that United didn't have a contentious decision until there were four goals up or so, and the, the most contentious decision of the night, which is sending off Bednarek, which is making it for goal number seven, when Martial went through and then Bednarek does or doesn't make a slight touch on him and he goes down and clean through on goal what bearing does that have on the result? None. None whatsoever. The biggest yeah. influence it's had is potentially a suspension for Bednarek. And the fact that they con- they dedicated so much time to a discussion about the finer intricacies of that is absolutely insane. The biggest problem should really have been with Mike Dean because he's the one who la- who stopped play when Cavani was tackled on the edge of the area or, so we th- or on- inside the area or so we thought. And then for having a look at the replay that we all saw and deciding that, yeah... Benaret was guilty and Martial had been pulled down and or well, knocked down and going clean through. That, that's, that's really where you should be firing your ire at, not VAR. Anyway, yeah. uh, nice for Bruno to get a penalty and, you know, sort of stop the streak that he'd been on. He hadn't, apart from the FA Cup game. And it was really interesting to say that, you know, Darren Fletcher was saying it prior, prior to that game on BT Sport. God, I'm saying BT Sport a lot tonight. Uh, not scored in five games or assisted in five games. You know, conveniently forgetting the you know, the FA Cup game against uh, Liverpool at Old Trafford. I mean, seven nil at that point. You th- I mean, it was what eighty-seven minutes or so. You're thinking it's time for a couple more there. The fact that we only had three minutes uh, of stoppage time, given it was t- what four minutes to decide whether or not Martial had been clipped or not, was a travesty. <laughs> but still, uh, those last two goals were again pretty delicious. No,
1: yeah, they were. You know, it's another really sharp finish from Martial and and it's both of his goals were the kind of finishes that we haven't seen from him in recent weeks or even really this season at all you know really clean confident confident strikes and then James coming on and, and scoring what was a, a, a quite an undone James like finish it was it had a technical quality that we, we haven't necessarily seen from him and the only shame then was that Mike Dean didn't play the amount of injury time that had actually been taken up by all the VAR decisions. Because, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you wouldn't have bet against United going and getting another one if they had another two or three minutes to to have a crack at it. Um, but, you know, we'll have to just accept the nine. <laughs> N-I-N-E N- <laughs> N- I- N- I- N- on this occasion. Uh... Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, there has to be something wrong with South, the way Southampton set up against teams with 10 men. But United... If you'd seen the game, the previous game, um, the Wolves against Arsenal game earlier on and Arsenal lost Luiz just before half-time and then Leno later on in the game and Wolves really struggled to create anything at all. Well, I mean,
0: their winning goal was a Gerald Moutinho thunder bastard, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. And and aside from that, they they really created very few real clear-cut chances against 10 and then nine men. Um, So it's not, it's not easy it's not a thing you could take for granted because it, it can often become quite difficult if if that team's quite compact and you haven't got enough guile in your in your side but I think it was just a, a testament to one that the increased level of quality United have in the side and also the far greater angles of attack and ways of breaking teams down that we have and we can now move it from side to side we can really shift defences about and there's quality in every in, in on both sides of the pitch and in the centre so a defence can't can't switch off and think. Well, if the ball's over there, there's no danger, and that really helps to create space um, for for others to score. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, a really satisfying performance in in circumstances that you'd have expected us to win, but not that we'd have gone to town in quite the way we did.
0: No, no, absolutely not. I mean, a couple of other things, bits and bobs. You know, it was nice to see Rashford get a bit of a break in the second half, came off after the hour mark. You know, a player that hasn't necessarily looked physically tied, but more mentally tied. You know, there was a lot of criticism for him for taking a touch, well, several touches, before getting that shot off against Arsenal at the weekend, which felt pretty unjustified. And again, you know, we're, we're talking about a remarkable p- player and an even better person receiving racist abuse over the last week, which is, un- well, it's not unfathomable because we're seeing it happen commonly. Wow. So Dan James came on. I thought he was quite fun. I thought this is a perfect opportunity for him because it means lots of space to run in behind, doesn't it? You know, and that that's wow. his... That's his bread and butter. Superb to see him do that. Fred at left back was a bit of a weird one. Um, but again, you talk about Wan-Bissaka. I thought his tracking back when Southampton did get those opportunities to break was really encouraging. I think yeah. considering that he is essentially got no competition in that slot whatsoever. The fact that he is playing at such a high level at the minute. Uh, well, especially this game. In, indeed, obviously not necessarily the most difficult proposition given how quickly Southampton were down to 10 men. But that was a really encouraging performance from him. Um, and one other note Pogba didn't even get off the bench uh, a nice complete rest for him uh, Solskjaer saying before the game that he played a lot of minutes over the last month which we obviously all saw and it was a perfect opportunity to at least start in front of the bench if required and as the game wore on you just thought well, what's the need in bringing him on just saving for Everton at the weekend um, I mean it really couldn't have gone much better as mentioned United's goal difference before that game was plus 10 it's now 19 the only team that's got a better goal difference than us at the minute is the team that sits above us in the league City who played against Burnley tonight um, I mean in terms of the damage that it's done to any potential title tilt it's difficult to judge at this stage isn't it we're only just into February there's still so many more games left to play and with City playing Liverpool at the weekend who have themselves just suddenly returned to a little bit of form it's difficult to say just how much damage the defeat to Sheffield United was actually going to be. Cause it's a, it's three points that you would imagine the other teams around us will certainly pick up. But at the minute, I guess it, as dull as it sounds, and we've said this so many times before, you sort of take each game as they come really, don't you? You know, we'll, we'll chat a bit about the Everton game, but a couple of minutes on United women who followed up a disappointing defeat to Chelsea away two weeks ago with two wins on the bounce, starting with a two nil defeat of Birmingham city, uh, about 10 days ago. That uh, is a pretty straightforward performance from United. They really struggled in the first half to break them down and the second half goals from Leah Galton and Ella Toon won it. Um, it was a grind, a real grind that one. Birmingham was sat very, very deep, offered very, very little in terms of attack themselves and United were very grateful for Galton for getting a real good close range finish just after the break, uh, basically a minute into the second half. United really needed that because they were really struggling to find a way through. They hadn't necessarily found the openings or the space. And then this past weekend, a 2-0 win away at Everton, which was a big result considering that Everton in particular, with the fact that that ground has basically no real proper surroundings, so it's incredibly open to the wind and the elements. It wasn't necessarily one-way traffic each way, but United dominated the first half and made Clutch of incredibly good chances. And in the second half, all the play was happening in that same half for Everton. Uh, most notable, Elatum getting another strike in the first half, but Kristen Press's performance was probably the best I've seen from her since she moved in the summer which is incredibly timing considering that we've lost Tobin Heath potentially for the rest of the season, you know, 10, 12 weeks. Such a huge loss, not just for her ability on the pitch, but for her leadership qualities. So press stepping up and delivering a performance like that and getting a deserved goal. I mean, she was a ball of energy all day. You know, she was chasing down. She looked sharper. She looked better in her finishing and her passing and her awareness. Superb. Really pleased to see her perform like that, especially given that she struggled, certainly at times, you know, for fitness and for form during this move so far. you know We don't know what's going to happen with Press or Heath at the minute, but having one of them on form when one of them is out is fantastic news for us. Before we round off, Rich, Everton at the weekend at Old Trafford. How do you see that panning out?
1: It's another important one, isn't it? Um, They're
0: all big games, Rich.
1: They are all big games. I mean, it will clearly it will clearly be, well, I would say it will clearly be a bigger test than it should be a big, bigger test than Southampton were. But Everton are in great form themselves. I mean, I watched the, um, the home defeat to Newcastle a few days ago. And they, they lost that game 2-0, but it could have been 4 or 5. They created absolutely nothing in that game. They're not in good form. So there is another opportunity there for United, really, to to cement their return to form after that sort of mini slump. It's a game I'm quite looking forward to. One thing I think we should say as well, you having spoken about the women, um, we saw the we, what, our first glimpse of Ahmad in the under-23s this week. He kind of had his um, thunder stolen a little. Um, he got he got two goals. He got the first goal, which was a really, really nice example of um, him pressing very hard from the front, dispossessing defender, going through and sliding the ball home. He then scored a penalty, which he peninkered and, and ran off looking very, very pleased with himself.
0: <laughs> the audacity.
1: his thunder was stolen a little bit by Hugo scoring four. He's continued to look stupidly calm in front of goal Um, he's obviously moved up from the 18s where he's scoring quite easily and now to the under 23s where he appears to be scoring quite easily as well and it was particularly nice to to give Liverpool a stuffing at any level it was quite important for the under 23s as well because unlike the the under 18s who contrived to lose um, their second game of the season at the weekend but who are still top of their league the the under 23s were only two off the bottom of the Premier League two table they needed to win a game and Liverpool, Liverpool have been doing doing really well at that level they're about four places above United so it was a big game big, a really important game Brandon Williams played again which I'm sure we can't be super happy with it does appear that Tellez's arrival has rather pushed him down the pecking order and perhaps pushed his nose out of joint a bit and you wonder what role Ollie has for him going forward because You'd you have thought with no other competition for Wan-Bissaka at right back that, that Williams would still be getting a reasonable amount of game time as as a, as a rotation option, but he has you know he has been sort of pushed down to the under twenty threes now, and it wouldn't surprise me if if possibly he'd asked for a loan or something in, um, in the January transfer window to get some football and and so United felt they had to kind of potentially sort of ex- remove him from the group for the time being until that was clarified, although Ollie's said that he didn't have any intention of letting go, so it be interesting to see what happens with him, but um, yeah it was really nice for United to give Liverpool a good stuffing and <clears at, throat> under-23 level, it was good to see Ahmad make his debut it was interesting watching him compared to Polistri, who's now gone on loan to Alamos actually, um, he's clearly got talent, and he, he adjusted quite well I think to to English football and what was being asked of him but I think he still needed to develop his game and he needs to develop physically and I don't think there's any ever any question of him being ready in the near future to, to play in the first team. Trail Ray looks a bit of a different case he, he's very very confident he's very very difficult to dispossess he's got a really low centre of gravity he's very technically good he, he can dribble He's clearly got an eye for goal. He's one that I, re- I could genuinely see at the very least getting on the bench in the next month um, and possibly contributing in some way. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if... You...
0: He's in the Europa League squad.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I think that was probably inevitable anyway, but but Ollie's clearly got him in mind. And if we are intending to make quite a few changes for the Europa League and really concentrate on, on domestic competition, then it makes sense to, to, to blood him in that competition. I don't think he'd do as do himself a disservice either I mean I saw him come on as a sub for Atalanta against uh, Midgetland in the Champions League and he was immediately the best player on the pitch could have scored a couple himself Um, so he's already played at a high you know a high standard so it wouldn't surprise me if we see him and I'm quite excited to see what he can do because he clearly has very few doubts about his his ability and one of the good things about the way that the first team group is developing is you're seeing players who have a lot of self-assurance and are very confident in their own abilities and they don't get down if they're having a poor game. You know, you've seen Rashford really develop that. And Bruno, obviously, Pogba doesn't doesn't hide when he's not necessarily playing well. And I think we've got, you know, the the, the one who isn't like that is, is Martial. And, and the fact that he isn't like that and he stands out for it um, shows you, that the mentality of the rest of the particularly the attacking players is now a lot better but I'm I'm looking Mm. forward to seeing him I think he he could be one sort of plus of having to to go back down into the Europa League.
0: Well fingers crossed I mean I guess we'll see that because (laughs) the Europa League is coming Richard we are only a couple of weeks away anyway we've got let's see three games left to go before we actually get there so we've got Everton at the weekend as mentioned West Ham in the FA Cup on the following Tuesday and then West Brom away on Sunday before we are back in European competition I mean, I guess one thing before we finish that off, the, the the squad will really come into its own over the course of this next month, in particular, won't it? With those games, in particular, you know, you look at the likes of Van der Beek and Matter and Dan James and Teles and Bailly, I'm not saying Bai should be in the sort of the, the nominal B squad because I don't think he should, but I think there's plenty of players who are itching for some minutes who will definitely gain them against Osidad. So that should be fun indeed. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there for tonight. Uh but quick question, favourite goal of the nine.
1: Ooh. I do love I know you said the same as well, but I, I do love a I do love a powerful Cavani header. And I think I think after the Arsenal game as well, where he he, he missed those two chances, and you know knew he'd miss big chances in the game. For him to get a goal, you could see it meant a lot. And what, one thing I do like about Cavani is something that you kind of saw in Rui Isteroy as well is that that kind of single mindedness. And when they score a goal, doesn't matter if it's the fourth goal or what it is, but there's there's a real sort of animalistic roar to have got that goal. And you know the best strikers need that. They need they need that drive to just. To score, no matter what the game situation is, even if it's the fourth or the fifth, you know Ronaldo's the the absolute epitome of that, isn't he? Isn't he? You know, it's he 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 just wants to score more goals all the time. So it was nice to see Cavani get that goal. It was a really nice goal to watch, and and it's good to see the hunger in him to really keep scoring.
0: Right, we'll leave it there. Uh, I'm guessing we're not going to have as many as nine goals to talk about next week. So let's enjoy this moment. Let's just take a moment of silence to enjoy it nice good stuff nice. alright <laughs> Rich thank you very much for joining us everyone uh, don't forget you can always get us on Twitter should you so wish you can get Rich at Rich Red Voices me at you and like this and the pod itself at Red Voices of USC the podcast can be found on iTunes it can be found on Spotify Acast and Stitcher basically any decent podcast app. and if you can rate and subscribe or offer any reviews you can on any of those platforms that's always hugely appreciated we'll most likely be back after the West Ham game next week so take care of yourselves till then bye